0: Welcome back, everyone, to the Keys Weekly Sports Wrap with Coach McDonald, the only place to get your Florida Keys prep sports news and history. You can find this podcast every Thursday at keysweekly.com. Please share and like this podcast. You can find me on Facebook at Florida Keys and Key West High School Sports History. You guys can also find me on WKWF AM 1600 FM on 103.3 WKWF Saturdays at 8am so you can check this out on the radio you can check this out on the internet you can check this out the most important thing is that you send it to someone else let someone else know what's going on in the Florida Keys prep sports world we got a lot going on this week the emergence of the winter sports you have lacrosse going on boys and girls wrestling is still going on for Key West High School baseball, softball, track So let's immediately get started with a couple of results from last week. Key West Boys Lacrosse loses to Westminster in lacrosse on the 21st, 19-2. Coral Shores Girls Lacrosse um, beats Coral Reef 6-5 on the 22nd. Key West Boys Lacrosse loses to Coral Reef 8-4. Coral Shores Baseball loses uh, 1-13 to to South Dade. Key West Girls Lacrosse beats Westminster on the 23rd, 12-4. Marathon Softball Girls lost to Lords Academy 11-8 on the 23rd. Coral Shores Boys Lacrosse loses to Ransom 12-6. Coral Shores um, Softball gets a big win against South Homestead 17-1. Marathon Baseball gets that big win on uh, last Friday night against Ransom 12-7. Key West Girls Lacrosse beats Palmetto High uh, 10-4. Key West Baseball beats uh, Westminster 12-5. Those are the scores that I have going on today. Um, Breaking down some of the sports. Let's first, let's talk about, we have wrestling going on. It's still going on for Key West High School. They have the three of the Lady Conks earned a place in the brackets in the FHSAA 1A State Championships March 2nd and 4th. And now three of his boys will join Shayla Figuera, Ali Briggs, and Shannon Briggs into the States. Right now, senior Andre Otto is ranked fourth heading into the regionals. Um, but going back to the girls, it's a fan... Fantastic, unbelievable story, really. At the beginning of the year, Allie Briggs and Shannon Briggs started Marathon High School. Unfortunately, there's not a wrestling program there. Um, they're able to transfer down to Key West and be eligible for wrestling. And uh, these two ladies join Shayla Figueroa, and they're going to be going to the state championships. Such big news. Um, I'll let you guys know as soon as I find out who the other boys are. It happened yesterday. I know for sure Andre Otto is, is moving forward. Uh, As far as Coral Shores wrestling, Coral Shores wrestling might be over now, but the young team looks very promising in the coming years. Five regional qualifying canes, Sebastian McCoy, Finn McDonough, Devin Smith, Jack Hill, and Jaden Angel are all just freshmen. So Coral Shores definitely has a bright future when it comes to wrestling and Key West. You know, like I talked about last week, winning 14 straight district titles. That news was so big it made, uh, I saw it in the Miami Herald, and we covered it in the Keys Weekly extensively and have taken you on that journey with Key West High School. But it's big news all over the state when you have a team win 14 district titles in a row it's something that really doesn't happen too often and if you'd like to hear more about key west high school wrestling you can go back and listen to the podcast i had a couple weeks ago with coach chas jimenez who's been um only the second head coach in that program in the program's history the program started in about 1999 and he's the second coach troy Bao being the first head coach at key west high school um Lacrosse is going on. I touched a little bit on the scores, but so we're all on the same page and and everybody understands. Right now, the big story in lacrosse, I would say, is the Key West girls. They have a perfect record so far this season. They have a win against Gulliver on February sixteenth. Um, they are five and zero in girls um, lacrosse, and they are doing very well. Bella uh, Marciano scored three goals and three assists in the win against Westminster Christian. Uh, Marciano also had eight of the team's 11 draw controls. Caitlin Polito scored two goals in assists. Ada Van Loon and Sophia Fellini added one goal each. And Maria Cheney assisted once. Goalkeeper for Key West, Courtney Gravis, saved two. Key West forced Westminster to turn the ball over 16 times, keeping the Warriors on defense and sealing the victory. And then after that, the girls lacrosse team of Key West uh, was able to beat Miami-Dade County uh, Powerhouse High School, Miami Palmetto. Um, they were able to win 10-4. Cheney scored five goals. Fellini had two. Van Loon and Ella Baxter each scored one. Marciano chalked up three assists. And Peloto added another one in the 10-4 win. Gravis was busy in goal for the Conks, saving 11. And fellow defender Rachel Owens forced four turnovers in the big win. Um, so that's the big news in lacrosse. We have really... What I want to take a little bit of time to discuss is uh, we did talk about last week, Marathon, going to states and wrestling. Um, um, you could hear a great podcast last week with Mikel Ross. She was a state medalist in girls weightlifting, and she talks about how she got there in last week's podcast. Um, so girls wrestling is almost almost at the end of the season they're going to be in the state championships this weekend coming up so good luck to those key west high school ladies hopefully all three of them bring home medals and um we have boys weightlifting going on right now and they everybody's getting started with their meets i saw marathon and coral shores in a meet at marathon the other day um so, boys weightlifting is is going on. We also have baseball. That's the big story going on. Baseball is opening. Last week, you know, we talked about preseason games. And this week, we have the beginning of the regular season games. And really, Key West is off to a uh, very good start as far as their baseball season goes. They open up... Um, they opened up the other night. They're two and zero right now. Key West. They have both. They have won two games against Westminster Academy. The first game that they played um, was on Friday the twenty fourth. They were able to win that twelve to five. Player of the game, definitely for Key West High School. Uh, Jack Haggard was two for four in that game at the plate. Caden Picardo, two for four, also. Um, other big bats for the for the Key West Conks, Jose Perdick, Perdigon, a sophomore, was three, uh, two for four, also from the plate. And um, Greenberg pitches for the. Um, I'm sorry, it was uh, Jacob. Burham pitched for uh, Key West and Andes Barroso, or Lucky Barroso also pitched. Um, he ended up coming down with the win for the Conks, the senior with a 2.33 ERA so far this season, takes the first win of the season. Um, Second game of the year, Key West plays against Westminster once again. Uh, That was on Saturday the 25th. They were able to, it looked like they were able to mercy rule after six, a 10 nothing victory for the Key West Conks. Um, The Conks are off to a great start this year. (sighs) Marlon Takovich pitched for the Conks, also Felix Ong, also pitched. Felix ends up getting the win on the night um, with five innings pitched, three hits, one walk, and nine strikeouts for Felix. Marlon comes in as the reliever and pitches uh, one inning. He gives he gives up one walk and has three strikeouts. So. Key West off to a strong start this year. Marathon Baseball moving up the keys is also off to a very strong start. They opened up their season uh, last week against Everglades Prep where they ended up winning 12-0. For the Marathon Dolphins you had um, Ryan Yablon got the ball on opening night and he was able to pitch and he did a very good job. Um, He ended up pitching three innings giving up one hit striking out nine um brian brochet ends up coming in he gets two strikeouts and one inning of work gives up one hit and then uh, i think dylan zeals finishes out the game for marathon with one inning pitched and three strikeouts that's exactly how you want it to go defensively um last Friday night was going to be a big matchup for the marathon dolphins as they went against ransom Everglades Raiders marathon ends up getting the win 12 to seven in a hard fought game goes back and forth. Um, Micah Saunders, the freshman, uh, played very well defensively. Also hit the ball. He was one for four at the plate. Ryan Yablon was one for four at the plate for marathon. Um, Gabe Leal went one for four and Gavin, his brother went two for four at the plate for marathon. Um, On the mound, you had junior Dylan Zeal's pitch. He pitches, um, he has five innings, he gives up six hits, five earned runs, two walks, but he has 13 strikeouts against a very good Ransom Everglades team. Ryan Yablon, the senior, comes in for two innings, he gives up two hits, one earned run, and gets four Ks. Coral Shores baseball is starting, and they have a very tough schedule. That program has been on the rise the last couple of years. They have been getting better and better every year, and they open up against two very good baseball teams. Uh, Coral Shores plays South Dade. The Buccaneers, a big 8A school located in uh, right west of Homestead. They beat Coral Shores 13-1 to in the first game, and then um, – Hurricanes lost the other night on uh, Thursday, the twenty third. They lost to the ABF Academy Homestead Bandits four to two. That was a tight game. It was Coral Shores was up three to two after the fourth inning. After the fifth, they were actually. Uh, I'm sorry, ABF was up three to two after the third, and then they added on another one in the fifth inning to end up that game four to two. As far as pitching goes, um, Coral Shores pitched, um, let me take a look here, but a great start by all the teams. Um, Graydon Ross, the junior, he picks up the loss for Coral Shores. Um, He pitched, let's see, he pitched 2.2 innings in the game. Tate, it looks like Tate Bum uh, below, a junior, got the start. Uh, Graydon came in. And he pitched 2.2 innings. He gave up three earned runs. Um, So Coral Shores, I know what's going on. They're starting out their season playing a real tough schedule. I'm pretty sure we're going to start seeing a lot of wins roll in for Coral Shores baseball this year. And and Marathon also seems poised that they're going to have a strong season. But, you know, as far as Monroe County goes... The talk this year is about Key West High School, and they have a legitimate chance to win that 12th state title. Good luck to all the baseball teams. Good luck to all the winter teams this year. Um, We also have track and field going on, so they're doing a lot of meets together, Key West High School. Coral Shores and Marathon are getting together. And they're doing a lot of meat, so good luck to those guys. I will catch you guys up next week as far as how girls wrestling went. Hopefully, we have some state medalists. And today, I have a really special guest. Um, it's a it's a very good friend of mine, Chef Carl Stanton at Marathon. And you know, everybody everybody you know has a story, right? And every everybody who's who's a little bit older has been around to a couple different places and. Some people have a lot better stories than others, and some people have lived a lot of different adventures, and some people have had uh, a very few adventures. But I'm going to tell you from my past conversations with Chef, you guys are in for a great podcast. He has led a very, very interesting life. You're not going to believe some of the connections that he has made and some of the adventures that he has been on. So I want you guys to really give this one a listen, sit back, relax, because I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. So, um, coming up next, we are going to have chef Carl Stanton from marathon. All right. Just like I told you, here we are. We are back keys. Weekly sports wrap podcast. We already talked about the sports that went on last week and the sports that are going on this week. And we have a very special guest. It is Carl Stanton. I'm going to call him chef. Everybody is in town, in Marathon, in the Keys, just knows him as Chef. He's the culinary arts teacher at Marathon High School, but there's so much more to that. How you doing today, Chef?
1: I'm doing pretty good, Sean. How are you?
0: I'm doing great. Uh, thank you so much for coming on today. Do you sort of want to give our listeners the the few that don't know who you are? Sort of tell me what you're doing now. I know you're you're teaching culinary. At Marathon, but there's so much more to your to your life right now. What are you doing currently in the Keys?
1: Uh, currently in the Keys, I'm teaching culinary arts. i also doing catering uh, throughout the Keys, from Key West to Key Largo, wherever we're called. Uh, training a group of students for culinary competitions. And also assistant coach with uh, varsity football at the high school.
0: So a lot of yeah, a lot of people are like, "Whoa, what? What the heck? Why is there someone talking about food at uh, on the podcast? This is supposed to be about prep sports." Well, one of the things about Chef is he's a man of many different talents, and one of the things that he does is every fall uh, he coaches the marathon varsity football team. How many years have you been doing that, Chef? Uh,
1: nine years.
0: So so. Chef has been with the squad for the last nine years. He's been through a lot of different players. He's been through uh, a lot of different head coaches and he's still standing. He's still surviving. But, <laughs> you know, um, as far as the catering goes, so let's just start. Let's just talk about that right now. Um, you obviously you have a background in restaurants and we're going to get to that later. But if someone was interesting in having their their meal catered, how do they get a hold of you?
1: Uh, you can look up Chef Flavor. Uh, you
0: will find me online. So I could just go to Google and I type in this great name that you got first, Chef Flavor, and all your information is going to come up.
1: Yes, I'll explain that name, Chef Flavor, later. <laughs> all
0: right. Well, well, let's let's go. You know, I really love when I have coaches on for the first time. Is is to do a full unmasking. You know about who you are, where you came from, what led you to Monroe County. So let's start off with, you know, where were you born? Where were you brought up? Where, where are you from?
1: Okay. I was born in Texas. Um, My Dad was in the air force. That was a short stay. And I grew up in Northern Virginia in Alexandria. Um, a lot of people in that area refer to it as the DMV, that tri-state area of the District, Maryland and Virginia, where we all circle the Potomac River. So that's where I grew up. Uh,
0: so growing up, you had a lot of brothers and sisters, right?
1: Uh, not a lot, but we had a you know we had a good-sized family, and you know, ever since I was a kid, pretty much everybody in our family always played uh, football. So it really wasn't a question of do I want to play football it was what position am I going to play
0: Okay so that that was that was just in the family's DNA that everybody was going to play football and so just leading up to this you know in northern Virginia when you were to go to high school what high school would you be attending
1: Well at the time in Alexandria there was only well, there were two high schools uh francis hammond high school and gw george washington Mm -hmm. uh jim morrison from the doors also went to gw and in the early 70s there was a restructuring of the schools where uh gw which was primarily black and hammond which was predominantly white uh, they built one high school in uh, in the city tc and then those two schools became junior high schools that fed into them. Mm-hmm. And my uh, my older fam, Daryl, who everybody called Blue, uh, was part of the TC Williams merger uh, in '72
0: so as far as our listeners go out there this should sound very familiar because there is a movie remember the Titans which is a true story about this and obviously if you watched the movie you have seen the character Blue he's the great singer the great defensive lineman in the film and that is actually Chef's brother so you know I know you don't want to give away your age and all that stuff but during <laughs> <So good. laughs> during that time period like how do you how old were you in 72 when that 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 merger happened when that season happened.
1: Uh, Blue is five years older older than me, so I remember all that very well. Uh, one of the things about the movie, one, it was great when you know we heard that they were going to make a movie, you know, about TC. Uh, in fact, yeah, you know, I mean, you know, of course, in the movie it's like TC Williams, but in Alexandria and all throughout the area. It was the only school known by two letters, TC. It's like when you said that, everybody knew who we were. Uh, The school was, we were dominant in almost every sport. We won state titles in basketball, football, indoor, outdoor track, cross country, uh, crew, soccer, baseball. (laughs) Um, We were pretty dominant in, in most things. But when that happened, uh, you know, I remember, you know, going to the games. I remember going to Roanoke for the championship game. And one of the things different from a couple of things different from the movie, which was a Disney movie. One, that year, none of the games were actually close. Uh, <laughs> TC just kind of like, I mean, we rolled up points on on every team. And. It became a a standard thing that once we had such a big lead, the other team would start to leave early. And that's when they would start that na-na-na chant.
0: Mm -hmm. So let me ask you this. As far as the movie goes, you know, like how true were some of the main characters to the real people? Because you being five years younger, this is a team so, you know, You know, you're you're 10, 11, 12. This is a team when when you're when you're that age and you love football, then you're going to be so focused on that high school team. You're going to follow those those team members like they were NFL players. So how would you say like the comparison was to the players, to the to the players that you saw on the silver screen?
1: Oh, pretty much the same. Yeah, we we definitely, you know, looked up to everybody. And years later, uh, most of the people were still, you know, still around town. Julius, Petey, uh, you know, all of them were still around. You know, I was still involved in the in the school system. So we'd always see him around. Hey, Petey, what's up, Big Julius? You know,
0: <laughs> that that's so unbelievably fascinating to me. How about uh, Jerry Bertier? Did you see him around?
1: Uh, I. Don't quite remember Bertier as as well. I do remember that he was in the Special Olympics uh, after his after his accident. Uh, Coach Yost used to you know help train him for that.
0: That was always such a great story. I thought at the end of the film because I was bringing up Jerry Bertier because he was the All American linebacker who ended up yes. like getting paralyzed and and yeah, and Coach Yost did did continue to work with him into the. Uh, into the olympics for him and i always thought that was a great story but so you're at tc you're in middle school at that time you know tc's making history integrating and dominating and you're watching that so then obviously you're like i can't wait to go to tc i can't wait to be a high school kid so what was that uh transition like for you from i guess it would be was a junior high at the time to that high school
1: right at junior high when i was uh at GW. I was part of the last undefeated JV team that GW had because uh, once I got to TC, they restructured the schools again. With uh, GW and Hammond were ninth and 10th grade, and TC was 11th and 12th. Mm-hmm. So then they expanded TC to make it 10, 11, 12, and then the others became uh they were still junior high schools, but they just increased the grades.
0: So, when you got there, were the same coaches there?
1: Uh, Boone and Hines were still there. And in fact, in my junior year, that was uh, Boone's last year. You know, they made the decision to let him go. And Doc Hines then took over as head coach in my senior year. And one of the things, definitely, you know, about the movie, different than the movie. Remember the Titans? Like I said, that was a Disney movie. The Coach <laughs> Boone I remembered used a lot of four-letter words.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, back then it seemed like I'm sure almost all uh, football coaches were using that same type of vocabulary then. So
1: oh, yeah. oh, definitely they were they were hardcore coaches back then. Definitely.
0: I mean, especially but. when when you're at a high school that is so large i'm sure that you're you you guys probably had football tryouts did you guys cut how big was your roster
1: uh we had probably 90 or something players on the roster and coach boone always you know had a rule that you know if you came out to play you know he wouldn't cut you i mean no. you would have to do something really egregious
0: Oh, like the tight end did in the movie, and he didn't cut him. (laughs) Yeah, he didn't. Bertier was the one that decided that his friend had to go in in a very, very epic moment of the film. What, what, what a great thing! So he didn't get cut. Um, just it had to be just a magical time, you know, and had to be like a big dream come true for you, you know, as a kid watching, watching your brother play, watching your brother blue play, and then going there and and playing must have been just a, a great experience, uh, within itself. Now you, so you, what happened to coach Yost when you were there?
1: Uh, coach Yost, uh, he stopped with football, but he continued to coach, uh, track there. Um, and like I said, you know, with track, uh, I was part of the indoor track state champion team in 17. I know it makes me sound old. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, part of the state state team uh, for that. And you' was continue there for a while. Yeah.
0: So, so you end up in high school, you end up playing football. What position do you play in football?
1: I played defensive tackle and nose guard. We, you know, would shift the positions around
0: and then so you also did track
1: yes i also did track through the shot putting discus and track
0: so then you're a tc you're playing football you're doing track um you graduate high school what do you then do next
1: uh in school i was trying to debate my career you know uh trying to plan out things i took a culinary arts program in high school as well too so Stark went to chef instructor. And back then, you know, there weren't well, culinary schools didn't have athletic programs. Mm-hmm. And there weren't a lot of schools where there was football and they had a culinary program. Uh in my mind I had that I wanted to be one of those great Penn State linebackers like Bruce Clark. Uh-huh. You know? Uh so the first year wait, right wait, a, right second, wait a second
0: wait a second so you're so you're just like all the other kids that we've coached you're a kid that has played defensive line his whole life and you think that you're going to make a transition to linebacker
1: well because blue <laughs> would tell me it was like you know if you drop 20 pounds you know it's like you could probably do it and i'm thinking yeah
0: but the hard part is dropping 20 pounds <laughs> 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 makes it sound so easy doesn't it <laughs>
1: yeah well the scale swung in the other direction right right.
0: so So you you were going to play linebacker huh
1: uh yeah but uh penn state didn't mature as soon as we got closer uh i opted for culinary school yeah and uh being young and dumb uh i got kicked out after the first year uh so I switched to Maryland and then uh I got on to Maryland as a walk on. Uh-huh. Uh with the great Bobby Ross back then. So and this is, is this
0: is what, like eighty one?
1: Yeah, eighty two, eighty one, yes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And after, you know, after a year then uh I kinda saw that I could swing back to culinary, so dropped out of Maryland, switched back to to culinary school and in between you know, when I went back the workouts kinda kinda helped. Uh also wrestled in at T C as well too and GW. Oh, okay. Um so in between and those uh workouts, I also got into training with another cousin who was a martial artist. Mm-hmm. So I got into boxing and, you know, studying martial arts, uh, and did that for a while, did amateur boxing for a while, competed in a bunch of martial arts tournaments. And, you know, all the while doing the culinary career. And then there came a point, uh, a few years in, started kind of getting burned out from restaurants.
0: So, So wait, wait a second, chef. So when you're doing that and you start out and, you know, times change so much. And like the idea, at least in my view of culinary has changed so much in the last 30 years. You know, what was it like for you in the early 80s going to culinary schools? And then what kind of restaurants did you work in?
1: Um, I covered in, in the early part of my career. I started out in hotels. I started out with Marriott. Uh, I worked with Sheraton Hotel, uh, Hilton. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> excuse me. Mm-hmm. So you know, kind of working my way through the ranks. Uh, you know, from apprentice to first cook to saucier. You know, going through, and you know, I kind of kind of enjoyed it. But at the same time, you know, working in working hotels. Putting in a lot of hours because you have breakfast, lunch, dinner, room service, and banquets. But I also had a lot of stamina and energy then, too. So,
0: yeah. So that was like, I never even thought about this whole culinary deal in the hotel level. I guess that's like a whole different thing. Because obviously you think about, oh, you're going to, you know, you want to have a restaurant. That's the whole thing. But I guess working in the hotel, you're cooking on a large scale then. And that's that seems to be very, very busy. So that was a whole different world of cooking. And then what happened? Definitely.
1: With uh, mass production, I mean, when you're... When you're doing banquets for three, four, five hundred people, and then you also have two or three restaurants that are also filled with another hundred or two hundred people, you know, yes, that's a lot going on. Hmm. So I started to feel a little burned out and it's like, you know, you take a little break and step away. Uh one of my friends I used to work out with, you know, was saying that uh, they needed a bouncer, at one of the clubs in Georgetown, you know, it's like, okay, you know, sure. Um, so with my uh, boxing and martial arts skills, like, okay, if I, if I have to, I figure I can do that. Mm-hmm. So uh, for a few years, I started doing that. And shortly into that, one of the clubs in Georgetown used to have live bands coming through. And, you know, you meet people you talk to people one of the guys is like hey you know you're really cool it's like you know we might take you on a road to security one day i'm like yeah sure you know okay let me know and then like a month later uh the manager gives me a call He's like hey this is Herbie. remember me i was like yeah he said um we've got a store in a couple of weeks so you're available i'm like are you serious i was like okay So that was with, uh, enough's enough.
0: Okay. Great eighties band. Enough's enough. Yes.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we did a, we did a three month tour and, uh, it's kind of like from there, it just became like a, a networking thing. You know, it's like on the road, meet different people and kind of like the reputation of me started to grow and... I picked up the nickname of. I am not making (laughs) this up. I picked up the nickname of King Carl. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. everybody kind of you know respected how I handled situations. Um,
0: Right. So, so you are starting off for our listeners. It's like you you start out by by bouncing. You know, local in Georgetown. You are talking to people. Somebody's like, "Hey." Yeah, I'm going to bring you on the road with me. And you're like, oh, yeah, sounds great, whatever. And then you get the call. You're going on the road with 80s metal band. Enough's enough for three months. You're going so... So Chef is going on tour with the band. You're handling security for personal appearances. You're handling security at the show. You're handling security backstage for enough's enough. And I would assume like what you're saying, Chef, is that that's probably a real closed community within the promoter, manager, agent, band world. Word word gets around that you're someone that handles things. You pick up the nickname King Carl. And then what happens?
1: Uh, from there, then it was just a matter of uh, other groups getting in touch with me, and you know, I've I've worked with uh, Poison, Warrant, uh, Metallica, Def Leppard, uh, Inve uh, uh quite a few people.
0: So you went on the road with all those bands. Uh, and during that time i'm assuming this has to be like based on your years about what like 85 86 to 91
1: 92 yeah this is like uh like late 80s starting it uh into the early 90s and when all the hair bands were everywhere
0: <laughs> so you have poison you know you're you're on the road with poison you're on the road with all of these bands you know what was that lifestyle like in 1988 and 1989 for you being on the road you know what what was what was like a day like for you doing a job like that
1: it was absolutely insane (laughs) (laughs) i mean but of course in a in a fun way but it a lot of the things that you hear and the stories that you hear about you know rock stars and party life and those things you know you think some of it exaggerated No, it's probably all true. Um, (laughs) Okay. I mean, we'd have, you know, pretty much the day would be, you know, we arrive in town. uh, They have radio interviews or in-store appearances to make. So, you know, we're going there with them and they're signing autographs and they'll tell you, you know, it's like, hey, give us 20 minutes and then, you know, grab us to pull us out. You know, it's like, because they didn't wanna look like, you know, okay, I can't sign any more autographs I have to go. So we would be that person who's like, all right, we gotta go and literally grab them, pull them out of the room. Um, and it would be interesting because there would be some people that would follow the bands from city to city. Uh, you know, and then, well, the groupie scene and some of those things, eh, a little while.
0: So let me ask you this. I'm sort of fascinated. Um, did you go, so you're taking the band, you're doing these, like they'll do They'll do radio stuff in the morning. Right. Were you part of that? Right. Right. So, um, obviously you're going across the country and, and during that time period, obviously when you're in Peoria, Washington or wherever you're doing some local radio, but did you guys, were you ever with bands that did big shows like did Stern or did any of those types of things?
1: yeah uh enough enough ship uh did howard stern several times and
0: so you know, are... it's, it was always kind of cool you know right and i can't imagine so you're part of that too you're you're working backstage and you know people don't believe it chef and i know you could vouch for it i know i could vouch for it too People want to say, oh, he toured with Poison. Well, I'm going to tell you something. In 1987, there wasn't a bigger band in the world than Poison.
1: (laughs) Uh, They sold out arenas, you know, so and probably, you know, the biggest was uh, when Metallica and Guns N' Roses did the uh, stadium tour and Faith O'More was the opening act. And
0: and you were part of that tour?
1: Oh, that was just that was just bananas um you know you're talking about 50 60,000 you know seat stadiums packed with people um but one of the things like you know for with most of the people that i've worked with everybody was pretty cool and some people gave me a different uh a different aspect on on their music like the nelson twins you know a lot of people kind of consider them a joke but uh, watching them on tour, you know, they took their craft seriously. They would do vocal exercises. They would stretch. They would warm up. You know, they put effort, you know, into their music. And it's like, okay, I can, I can respect that.
0: Yeah, and you know, on Shepin, the other hand,
1: yeah. I could see the crash of Guns and Roses oh. coming.
0: Okay, there, there's a lot of breakdown there. Let's start first of all. I can't wait to talk about Guns N' Roses because they're one of my favorites, but I'm going to start out with, you know, uh, being I'm, I'm a little bit younger than you, so I was coming of age like, you know, in that late 80s, early 90s period, and that's when you're really most you know when music is so much so important to you so obviously you know being young I'm not afraid to admit that I love you know I love Poison I love Warrant I love uh, White Lion I love all of those bands and I think what happens to a lot of them and even I you know Nelson had a couple big hits I was huge fans of them Ricky Nelson's kids but like what happens to them is, is almost all of those bands are just written off no one wants to talk about how great of musicians they were. Nobody wants to talk about how great the songs were because they were, you know, popular. They were in vogue during that time period. And and so few bands that were big then have ever been able to shake it. You know, Bon Jovi's been able to shake that that kind of moniker because they hit the scene in like 86 in the middle of Glam. They were thrown in with all of those, but they were able to push out of that. But so many other bands and and you know, Nelson included, they haven't yeah. been able I mean they still have fans. They're still doing well. But their music, I feel, you know, here we're on a sports podcast talking about music, but their music I feel is not as respected as other eras. Just because of the whole over-the-top '80s thing, what's your take on that?
1: Well, I was going to say, if you put on "Living on a Prayer" now, watch how many people sing along with mm-hmm. it.
0: Oh, and then so many of the of, of the other of the other hits from that time are so yeah. iconic and so Wildly classic.
1: Crew and you know,
0: <laughs> yeah, and even going back to Kiss, you know, because Kiss is really is someone that. That really started that off you know and even you know my oldest daughter was telling me you know we were talking about kiss and we were just talking about what a great song uh, i was made for loving you that kiss song how great that is you know and now kiss made that as like a disco hit but you hear that at every arena today and a lot of these artists you know you you hear at every arena now talking about and i'll be honest with you talking about guns and roses talking about metallica those are not bands in my mind that are hair metal, even though they're coming. Oh, they didn't even, you know, Metallica had such a huge following in the early eighties when they were underground. And even when they hit, you know, with the, what's it the black album? They were, they were too hard to be hair metal. You know what I mean? Right. Right. But guns and roses, obviously, You know, like that first, the first, the first two albums, you know, you go Appetite for Destruction is just classic from the beginning to the very end. Every single song on that is just unbelievable and the energy that they have, you know, because you talk about bands and the band's first album. That's the, that's the album they've been waiting their whole life to write, you know? So you have Guns N' Roses come onto the scene and then Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 are just fantastic, but... Never have I seen a band come onto the scene so quickly and at least in my mind catch fire. I watch that live performance of them on MTV in concert, like live at the Ritz in 88 with Guns N' Roses. And that band is just on fire there. They're unbelievable. But the personalities, the Axl Rose, the drug use, the alcohol use. So you saw them. I would say that's 90 was that tour, right? right so guns and roses in 90 they hit in 87 by 90 you're already seeing fractures what did you see
1: <laughs> well like on the uh <clears throat> on the stadium tour you know uh one there was a lot of arguing and fighting backstage uh they would be they would be late and there were some some arenas where they had a they had in their contract on the rider about uh, shows starting on time. And it was like a five thousand dollar fee for every minute that you're late. But sometimes they would be like up to, you know, a half hour late, you know, getting on.
0: Now, when uh, you say it, they, <laughs> are you being nice? Is, is this Axel? Because from what I've seen, Axel is blamed for all of the tardiness in your eyes. Was that always the case?
1: Well, let's see. Yeah, he and Stephanie <laughs> Seymour would come in late. Yes, <laughs> when everybody else was there.
0: So he's with Stephanie Seymour at the time he was married to her from the uh, from the video shoot from November Rain. I guess is where they met, right? Yeah, man, great. we're we're going deep here today. So Axel's coming late. He had a reputation of that. It didn't matter if it was five thousand dollars a minute. So it's so you're there backstage. The band's there. Axel's not there. Every minute they're getting fined $5,000. How's the rest of the band acting during this time?
1: Uh, Truthfully, some of them were, uh, let's say, self-medicated, you know, and waiting, I guess, to prevent being angry or because they were angry. Excuse me. And, you know, during the performances, sometimes Axel would uh, forget the lyrics. So then they had a monitor on stage with the lyrics rolling, a teleprompter with the lyrics for him.
0: So he's doing karaoke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you're on the so road. Along with Axel. <laughs> uh, yeah. Let me ask you this. This is fascinating to me. Was there, so you're touring, obviously, you're touring with Enough's Enough. How are you traveling? How are you living? Living as opposed to when you're traveling around with Guns and Roses and Metallica doing stadiums. What 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 difference was that?
1: Uh, it's just a matter of how nice the bus is, you know. <laughs> uh, it's like the bus, the hotel, the venue, the bus, the hotel, the venue. So it's like even though you're going to the city and city, there's not really a lot of sightseeing around the cities to do, you know.
0: So when you're working. Backstage on that tour, on the Guns N' Roses Metallica tour, what were some of the the big stars of the time that you saw backstage?
1: Um, I think I've been fortunate enough in both realms of my life, in in culinary and in entertainment, to you know meet a lot of uh, well known people. Uh, sometimes I try to run down, you know, run down the list to remember, you know, uh, from other entertainers, athletes, politicians, uh, Madonna, uh, Arsenio Hall, Eddie Murphy. uh, So for you... I uh I used to keep a book of like all the people I've you know like run across
0: that's fascinating because I'm sure like when you're living that lifestyle you know it's not like today you know and, it, and I still say it's better it's a good thing for us that there weren't phones you know because you'd have a picture with all these celebrities but when you're walking in those circles and you're probably seeing celebrities every night they probably just it probably just got for you where they were just that's another person am I right
1: Pretty much, uh, yeah. that's what I said. Everybody was pretty cool. The only people that I've encountered that kind of had uh, the attitudes were people who related to the celebrity <laughs> who felt like they needed that same star treatment.
0: So you're it's calling like, out Charlie Murphy right now because you met Eddie Murphy. So <laughs> no, you, is this aimed at Charlie Murphy?
1: No, Charlie had Charlie had talent. Charlie had yes. Charlie had talent. Absolutely, but um. Rick O'Kasic's
0: brother for example. <laughs> Shots fired, yes. Rick O'Kasick's brother.
1: It's like, uh you have an album out or something? It's like <laughs> no. It's
0: like, did he like, say did he say this to you? Do you know who my brother is? Uh
1: yeah. He said that's <sighs> like yes, yes I do. And I also know that you still aren't getting it through
0: here. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it that's what it's, it's always like, about
1: sometimes people are very specific you know because they know there are a lot of hangers on you know people that just want to you know be close and you know they they limit the access to them and sometimes even those that are that are close to them
0: so so during this time you know you're you're with the biggest bands at the time in the world, you're, you're traveling around the world. You're living a first class lifestyle. You're living a Ric Flair lifestyle for lack of a better word, right? It's a new <laughs> town every night you're flying into town, you know, the stadium's full, and then you're leaving before the sun comes up. But let me ask you this during that time pe- period. Was there ever this idea of, of food and culinary? When did that start to reenter your, your mindset? <clears throat>
1: um, well, the unfortunate uh, slide to that was there was a person that I was kind of seeing at the time and they didn't really like the thought of me always, you know, being on gone for weeks or months at a time. And, you know, especially all the wild party things that right. they say happen. But because it's not really documented, it may have happened, it may not have happened.
0: <laughs> There's no proof.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> that,
1: so yeah. then I kind of made the swing so say, like, Okay, let's uh we'll swing back into into the restaurant business.
0: So you decided, you know? you're going to venture back in. So now is this just going to, this is going back to work at a restaurant for you. Right. How difficult was it to, to transition back to that?
1: Uh, it just took a little bit of transitioning, you know, back in. Uh, I mean, I would still had skills, but you know, trends and things change, you know, sometimes. So, uh, I was able to find a great chef mentor to you know attach to, and we did like some really great things. Worked at a an Italian restaurant on Capitol Hill, so we had a lot of uh, a lot of politicians that would come in, a lot of celebrities. It was kind of a well-known restaurant, and then I moved to uh, another steakhouse, uh, Sam and Harry's which mm-hmm. was featured in the movie uh, American president with Michael Douglas. Oh, okay. And again, you know, we had a lot of high profile people that would come in and, you know, it's like just continued. And there would be an occasional, uh, like somebody would be in town and not, you know, make a, you know, like, help out with their security team or whatever, you know, whenever somebody was in, in D C.
0: So you were still freelancing? Yes. Right.
1: And one of uh one of my friends from school also happened to luck up and get a job with Prince as his art designer for like twenty five years. So uh I didn't work with Prince but I did have the opportunity to hang out with him or
0: several occasions okay number of number of questions here number one did you guys play basketball together
1: uh we did not play basketball we played video games so
0: really (laughs) so you're it's like this is this is you've you've been around so many celebrities so we don't we don't even open up the podcast with all right this is chef he played video games with prince before we just get to this (laughs) right so you, you so your good friend is the art designer for prince prince is you know n- notoriously known as someone who lives a really secluded lifestyle how do you end up being in a place where you and prince are playing video games and obviously what video game were you playing
1: uh galaga was, uh, was <laughs> galaga, the galaga yeah yeah okay and he is uh i mean i thought i worked hard he is definitely a, a hardworking entertainer. And I'm not sure if I would have been able to work with him. He's he's pretty funny, he's pretty sarcastic, but he is uh definitely a showman and a businessman. Like a day in the life of Prince is the band rehearses during the day. And then when they go do sound check for a show, a lot of bands, their sound check is dun to dun, 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 tap the drum drum check guitar then dun, dun, dun. it's like you know getting everything tuned up a prince sound check is running through the full show mm-hmm. and then they come back and they do the show and then afterwards there's an after party they do somewhere and they perform again at the after party i think so I, I can see why he's gone through so many band members over over time
0: yeah i remember reading or, or hearing something about prince where Where, you know, and obviously when you're such a a talented musician as Prince and you work as hard is that he's very, very hard on his backup band members. You know, he's very demanding to his backup band members. And I remember hearing the same thing about James Brown that, you know, if, if you weren't playing perfect you were going to be gotten rid of. And and I guess yeah. that, that goes to show, you know, and a lot of times, you know, Prince and James Brown, I think are are similar in a lot of ways, even though they came around in different times. But so you end up, how do you end up playing video games with them?
1: Uh, after, <coughs> after one show, uh, Steve, the artist friend, we found, we found this place in dc called house of secrets so if you're walking down the street from the outside you would walk by it 20 times cuz you don't notice it but inside it's like this little private uh club uh i'm trying to what what do they call the little uh after hour prohibition places back in the day oh uh, a
0: speakeasy
1: yeah it's sort of like sort of like that and it's like and so it's like holy, it's like holy crap look at all this stuff here uh so he really liked the place prince did, and decided he wanted to shoot a video there so a couple weeks later you know all the equipment and everything is there and there's like a bunch of people there uh shaka khan dougie fresh um you know a bunch of people you know there hanging out it's like we're recording shooting different segments of the video and it was like this little video game room and it's like uh i'm playing you know on the galaga game and prince is like next to me and playing <laughs> and it's like
0: <laughs> was it's he like, like was he always in 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 full regalia prince yes yes always I, yes wow like that's that's insane. So you end up playing Galaga with Prince. You're, you, so were you were you just there as a friend or were you working security for that? Were you freelancing?
1: No, I was just hanging out
0: uh then. So your friend's like, come on, let's go hang out at the video at the Prince video shoot. Right. Oh right. my goodness. And then Shaka Khan, I mean, I would just want to be like Shaka? Shaka Khan. <laughs> you know? Like how do you not? That's the first thing that comes to my head. Shaka Khan's yeah. there.
1: Shaka Khan. Don't Larry Frank Graham was there. I mean, it was just
0: I mean, at that time, too, I mean, during that time frame, you know, you're in that you're in that area. That area is popping, man. I mean, it almost always is. But it seems right. like even back then, what's that during Clinton, during the Clinton administration?
1: Uh the there. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. So and- it was cool to be in Washington. Clinton was loved by everybody. There's a lot of people coming through all the time.
1: Well, see, and I can also say I have the. Distinct pleasure of preparing dinner for Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky. Wow! Not at the same time, though. <laughs> 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 they both they both came to the restaurant where I was where I was a chef on different occasions.
0: Right. So so just the adventure between you know w- between working the concert scene and then working the whole political scene and working the restaurant scene. So. So where do you go from there, man? Uh,
1: after that, I kind of ventured into business on, on my own. I was a partner in a steakhouse, and then I opened a catering business in, in Maryland, and things were going good. Um, I had uh, I had a couple of uh, pro athletes as you know as clients. So uh from the from the wizards and from the redskins and things were going good until the recession crash of 08.
0: Oh that was horrible.
1: Yeah, business was kinda kind of drying up. And around that time, a friend of mine who we worked together as uh assistant chefs in DC had two restaurants down here in the keys. Mm -hmm. And he called me up and asked me about being a guest chef for a wine dinner that he was doing. And he called it five chefs, five cities. So it was like uh, a few of us from different places and each one, each one of us was doing a course with a certain wine. So, you know, I came down and it was like, I mean, Florida or the Keys was nowhere on my mind or on my radar. But, you know, when I came down for the event, it was like, this is pretty cool here. Mm -hmm. It was like, yeah, there are, you know, a lot of opportunities here. It's like, okay. Uh, And I was talking to his pastry chef at the time, who also happened to be the instructor, culinary instructor at Marathon. So, you know, we chatted up for a bit. and a few months it was probably uh six or seven months later uh george did another event and i came down for that and i talked to you know carrie a little more she said that you know she was thinking about leaving you know had i thought about teaching i've talked to all, all groups of people i've start rehabbing felons assimilating back into society i've taught a group adult groups i was like sure how hard can kids be (laughs) right so on my second visit there you know it's like i came by to visit at the high school walk around take a look and you know met the principal briefly at the time and it's like okay i guess this is something i could look into and That was, uh, my introduction to the keys.
0: So then you're like, okay, I'm going to work at marathon. I'm going to be the culinary instructor. So, so then you move everything down here and you start at marathon. What, what was that like for you? Like, you know, working with adults, working in the different worlds, playing video games with Prince, hanging out with, (laughs) you know, hanging out with Bill Clinton, hanging out with everybody. You know, what's, what's that first week in the classroom like for you as a teacher?
1: Uh, Well, it was a big adjustment, one, because moving 1,200 miles away, uh, the only person I knew down here was George uh, and Gary, you know, who I I just met. Um, So it was kind of, it's like, okay, I know how to run a business, I know how to run a kitchen. So how am I going to instruct these kids? And when I got there that first week, it was kind of like, here are the keys. There you go. I was like, "Yo, yep. okay, great. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs>
0: what do I do? Oh, you know, teach them to cook.
1: <laughs> so, you know, like I said, uh, I didn't have any classroom, you know, experience. So it's like, okay, business it is. This is what it is. And, you know, I kind of lay down the law day one so that everybody understands what things are and who I am. And I don't know, just generally, you know, over time, you know, things start to, you know, fall in shape.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things that a a lot of colleges and things, they could only prepare you so much, you know, before you go into the classroom. And I just think, you know, personally being a teacher, what I want to do is just every year get a little bit better at teaching and every year get a little bit better and then i think you know over time you become better and you learn what works and you learn what doesn't work so did you did you immediately enjoy it um what were you you know were you like oh oh my goodness i'm out of here at the end of the school year or did you just immediately take to it
1: no i immediately took to it because uh shortly after starting uh There were a couple of people that, you know, that I met and got in contact with and, you know, they were saying, well, do you know anything about catering? I was like, well, yeah, I just left my catering company. So, Mm uh, started doing catering pretty much within weeks of arriving and some of the, you know, people were kind of impressed with the, with the style and the flavor, um, so it started to kind of grow from there. And with the, with the whole moniker, as far as chef flavor, chef flavor is actually an adjective that describes a style of cooking. Um, <clears throat> leaving entertainment, I was talking about the chef mentor that, you know, I got hooked up with, you know, when we were doing things, he would always tell us, make sure, he was like, check everything, make sure that it has chef flavor it's like you want to you want to eat something that tastes so good that it tastes like a chef made it Mm -hmm. so chef flavor was the name that i was using for the company and then it just kind of stuck to to me
0: and then like you could go on youtube and put in chef flavor and there's going to be videos with you you've done a lot of things outside of school with cooking and things like that but how do you end up uh, back sort of where this whole thing started? How do you end up back coaching football?
1: Uh, well, one in the in the chef world, there was pretty much literally no time for anything else mm-hmm. uh, when you're doing 70 to 80 hours a week. And <clears throat> I've always had you know the love for the game. and it's kind of like, whoa, Here's an opportunity where I can do both. It's like I can be involved with football, and I'm still involved in culinary. It's like, how great can this be?
0: <laughs> so, so you get involved uh, uh, coaching early in your teaching career with Coach Martin, and you know you coach with uh, Coach Davis, and you coach with uh, Mister C, and. You're going to be coaching uh, with me now, you know? And so what are some of the memorable moments that you have coaching football at Marathon?
1: There have been a lot of great moments. One from watching some of the kids develop uh, and go through. Uh, Of course, uh, 2017 winning the conference title Mm -hmm. was great. Uh, Beating Coral Shores uh the overtime game that was great so that uh,
0: that was i think that would be 20 2015 2015 i yeah, believe 20, yeah 2015 that was that was just A great game at home. Lots of people there going to overtime. Sammy's field goal at
1: the end, and the crowd just goes crazy.
0: Noah Bort picking up that fumble when um, oh my god! Yeah, (laughs) the the young ninth grade Jackson McDonald gets the sack. The kid fumbles. Noah picks it up and runs it in. I mean, that was. I think I think Roberto had a big run that game too. That was that was a fun one, man.
1: And of course, a pattern back. You watching the development of Jackson. You know, just. Become, uh, become a little stud. It's like, you know, incredible.
0: Just remember him starting all out as a 7th grader, 8th <laughs> string backup quarterback at Marathon. And watching everybody watching everybody grow is such a great thing, you know. And I think what we're so lucky at Marathon, where we get to have this connection with the kids from 6th grade through 12th grade and, and watching everybody grow up. And it's amazing how how much they grow up during that seven year period, you know? Right.
1: And the thing, and the thing, like we've said for years with the kids, it's not just about, you know, making them become a great football player. It's about making them become great people in society, having character, you know, and football is, it's a game, but sometimes it's more than a game. It helps you deal with a lot of things. It's like I've encountered a lot of things in my life, you know, a lot of adversity, a lot of obstacles, and sometimes just that, that concept, dig down into that reserve tank, helps you get through a lot of things.
0: And it's amazing when you think about it, because it's like if you do and, and all I have is my own perception, but it's like almost every single day of your life or at least every single day of my life. I, there, I always think back to something that I learned playing football growing up or something that happened or just think about those experiences that I had and then apply them to to my daily life. And it's something that sticks with you for the rest of your life
1: it definitely does
0: and then like just like you you saw like the impact that football could have even when like when you go back to TC and you watch remember the titans and and all of those things you see that the impact of sport is so much bigger and especially here in the keys chef because there's a lot of places in the state of florida where you have these you know charter schools and private schools and there's so many different schools in a lot of towns they don't have the school spirit that is had in the keys they don't have the the outpouring of support from the public that we have in the keys so we are very lucky to be here and be teaching and coaching where we're at
1: and i i thought that that was great in being here too how you know being a small town the community rallies around all the events and everything like from the homecoming parade and all coming out to all the games the support it's just it's phenomenal it's really great you know
0: And it's really up and down the Keys with Key West, with Marathon, with Coral Shores. And it's what makes this community, no matter what, so special. And what our kids, I think, are lucky where they get this, you know, I was just up at uh, a, a co a player coached kind of thing and I was talking to so many different high school coaches and they couldn't all around Miami and and these are some of the bigger schools and they just don't have the support anymore I, they couldn't believe it when I told them yeah you know you come down and play us we have our on-campus stadium we have about 400 people we're gonna have band we're gonna have cheer we're gonna have a huge concession stand going it's gonna be the only place to be in marathon and these coaches couldn't believe me you know, so so we're lucky. We're lucky to have you in, in Marathon, Chef, and, and we're lucky to be here. And you have any final words to the people on the podcast today?
1: Hey, I just want to, you know, it's great that uh, the town has, you know, accepted me. I love being here. want to be here for a while. Continue doing what we do. Right. Um, looking forward to continuing what we do on the football field as well, too.
0: Well, thanks for coming on today. If you want to if you wanna get catered by Chef, then all you need to do is check him out. Chef Carl Stanton, Chef Flavor. You could call up Marathon High School and you could get the phone directly to this guy. And thank you so much for coming on today and hope you have a great rest of your weekend.
1: Thank you very much. You too, brother.
0: Thank you guys so much for listening. Was I right or was I right? Was it fascinating or not? Can you believe... The places that Chef has been, uh, the people that he's been around, the adventures, the connections, and now he is in Monroe County. This is such a wonderful place from Key Largo to Key West. We have the greatest people coming into this county to live, and we have the greatest people living in this county, and I'm just so grateful to be here. I'm so grateful to the Keys Weekly. Everybody go out and read your Keys Weekly. Check out the sports wrap, the Keys Weekly sports wrap. My wife, uh, Tracy McDonald, does a lot of the writing there. She <laughs> She pretty much does all the writing for that sports page. So when you see her out, tell her how much you enjoy it. I hope you guys enjoy the Keys Weekly. I love that newspaper. It comes to your house every Thursday. Check it out. Pick it out. Pick it up and read it. And uh, definitely check out the Keys Weekly sports wrap. And you guys have a great week.